I remember reading a story about a store clerk in the city of Philadelphia. It was a particular Thursday at about four o'clock in the afternoon when gunshots started ringing out right outside his store. And, uh, and so he hit the ground to protect himself because bullets started flying in through the windows, breaking the glass and hitting things along the wall. And as he was on the, on the ground, a bullet happened to hit a pound cake that was up on a shelf above him, causing the pound cake to fall down and hit him on the head, which caused him to look down, which is when he realized that there was a hole in his shirt, a bullet hole, but he wasn't bleeding and he wasn't hurt at all. And so, so he looked at the hole in the shirt and he saw that uh, behind the hole was his belt buckle and inside the belt buckle, attached to the belt buckle was a bullet. The bullet had gone through his shirt and it had stopped at his belt buckle. His belt buckle saved his life. He, uh, he didn't see the bullet coming in. He didn't see it go into his belt. So he didn't have time to react to those things. He didn't even, didn't even know that he should. And yet he ended up being safe, reminding us that you don't always need to see what's going on in order to be okay. And we see that in the Bible. We see that in the life of a man named Saul in the book of Acts chapter 9. Shortly after the time that Jesus uh, rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, Christians in the area at the time, they knew what they were seeing. They were seeing that life was really hard for Christians, that their lives weren't safe. They were seeing a lot of Christians taken away from their friends and their families and their homes and being persecuted and even killed. And they saw that there was one man who was in charge of overseeing the whole thing. And that was a man named Saul. It says this about Saul in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, believers in Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So Paul is on his way to the city of Damascus, but then one day, as he's on the road to Damascus, um, suddenly Saul couldn't see a thing. It goes on to say, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And so the same Jesus that he had been persecuting ended up blinding him to humble him, to show him that the Lord was paying attention to what he was doing, to show him that the Lord was really in control. And from that moment on, Christians around the area, they started to see something different. They saw a reason to believe that they were going to be okay. They saw a reason to be confident that God was going to take care of them even if they saw bad things happening. And now as we get into the new year, there might be some good things you're hoping to see as you get into this new year that you never end up seeing. There might see some bad things, some troubling things that you end up seeing that you hoped and prayed would never be coming. But whatever it is that you see, what we see here is a reason to be confident. Because Christians are those who live by faith in a God who's always watching and always paying attention. Just consider this. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him. And do you know who wrote that? That we make it our goal to please him, to please God? The same Saul that was persecuting Christians. God turned his life around. And this week, as we look into the new year, we'll be looking at the grace that turned his life around to give us strength as we walk into this new year. 
This week we're talking about a guy in the book of Acts named Saul who had made it kind of his full-time responsibility to persecute Christians. And yesterday when we read about him, we see that Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus and he blinded him. And then this is what happened after that. It says, for three days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. We'll get back to that in a second. In the meantime, I want to tell you about a guy named Jeff, who was a farmer in Oregon. So one weekend, he was driving his 3,000-pound tractor on his property when his foot slipped off the clutch and it caused the tractor to lurch and it actually flipped over on top of him, putting him on, pinning him to the ground with the steering wheel of the tractor pushed up against, pushed up against his chest and leaving him without any ability to inhale or exhale. So basically the only oxygen he had access to was what was what was going on, what was already there inside of his lungs at the time. And so not being able to scream, not being able to breathe, he used whatever energy he had and whatever strength he had just to pray. That's all he did at the time, which is all, if you noticed, that's all that Saul was doing for three days. He was praying, and that wouldn't have been the first time. I mean, keep in mind who Saul was. So Saul has some background, some religious background. He knew his Old Testament really, really well. He would have been the kind of guy who believed that God created the universe in six days. He was the kind who believed that everything that happened in the Old Testament was true. He would have been in worship every weekend, and he would have been really good at giving an offering. But, uh, but here we see that not everybody who goes to church, not everybody who believes that the God of the Old Testament is real, not everybody who gives an offering or has the priest on speed dial is on good terms with God. Paul saw that when he was blind, but now he was blind in another way, like, like the guy, like the farmer in Oregon. He couldn't see a way out. He couldn't see a way out. Except it wasn't a, a tractor on top of his chest that was, uh, that was weighing him down. For, um, for three days, he didn't eat or drink a thing because he was weighed down with regret. Regret about the way that he had been living up until that moment. And I don't know everything about what you're looking forward to coming up in the next year, but I think this might be true about you, that if you look back in the past, this past year even, you just might have some regrets about things you didn't do that you feel you should have, people you didn't help. Maybe there were people that you hurt and you have regrets. Maybe those regrets are showing up and that there are consequences that you have to live with because of the decisions that you made. And they either hurt you or they hurt, they hurt other people as, as a result. And if that's true, if it's easy for you to look back and see regrets, then just keep in mind why Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus. It wasn't to pile on the pain of regret. It was to set him free from it. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, it says this. It says, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. And this is, this is Saul who became the Apostle Paul writing. It was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. In other words, what happened to Saul wasn't just for Saul. It was for you too. The moments in life when you feel like like you're the worst of sinners. The same grace that was applied to Saul, our Lord Jesus came to apply to you. 
One man we were introduced to yesterday in this story about Saul in Acts chapter 9 was a guy named Ananias. And God had told Ananias to go to such and such a place and you will find this guy named Saul. And you're supposed to go and minister to him. And this is how Ananias responded. It said, Lord, Ananias answered. I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Uh, in other words, Ananias didn't know if it was such a great idea to reach out to Saul in, in the first place. And notice that God didn't ask him if he thought it was a good idea. He didn't ask Ananias why he should or should not reach out, reach out to Saul. So Ananias decided to answer that all on his own. And he said, haven't you heard about this guy? Don't you know the kind of pain that he's done? Ananias looked at Saul in his mind and he saw his, the past pain that he had caused. He saw the future problems that, uh, that he would cause for so many. I mean, he looked, at, he looked at Saul and saw the same thing that, that, it's so easy, that it's so easy to feel and so easy to find when we look at people who are inflicting pain on the world or are even hurting us and our loved ones. No good reason to reach out to them and no good reason to believe that even reaching out to them would do any good. And so Ananias, and all on his own, he decided to answer the why of why should I go reach out. He decided to answer the question that, did you notice, if you remember from a couple of days ago, Saul never answered. Jesus asked Saul on the road, he said, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? And did you notice that Saul never answered that question? So I want you to. Imagine that you're Saul on the road and Jesus stops you and he asks you the question, why are you doing this? What would you say? One of the things I love about my youngest son is He's pretty consistent in his desire to tell the truth, no matter what the truth is. And so, like, um, like, like any son, sometimes my boy needs to be disciplined. Sometimes he doesn't do the things that he's supposed to do. And so, sometimes when I take him into my office and I sit him down and I say, why did you treat your sister that way? Or why did you treat your brother that way? On more than one occasion, he has just looked me in the eyes and he has said, because I felt like doing it. And he doesn't say it in like an arrogant, like, because I felt like doing it, you know, kind of way. He says it, he says it just very matter-of-factly, like that is honestly the best explanation that I can come up with for why I would ever choose to do such such a thing. I mean, there is no there is no good explanation that my son in that situation could give me that would make me feel like, oh, okay, yeah, that was a good, it was a good thing that you did. And he knows that. And so he just speaks the truth and he says, because for whatever reason, I just I felt like doing that in the moment. And is there a better explanation for why we do the things that we do that aren't always that great? Just honestly, because that's what we feel like doing in the moment? Is there a better explanation for why we sometimes resent the people who are closest to us? Or that we push away the people who are helping us? Or why the unkind word comes out very quickly? Is there a better explanation for why we worry? Or for why we doubt? Or for why we can fall into the same temptation again and again and again and for why we're often so quick to make, to make excuses? Is there any better explanation than simply to say that's who we are and that's how we feel? I don't know if there's a better explanation. And if you ever look at your life and if you ever look at the things that you've done and you ever wonder if that just makes you unlovable, then just remind yourselves why when Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus, he had nail marks in his hands and nail marks in his feet. Saul, after he became the Apostle Paul, he actually tells us why that was the case. 
When he greets in one of his letters in Galatians, he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. The reason those nail marks were there was because he had given himself, his whole self, for a guy just like Saul. And he's done the same thing for you and for us all. Do you remember a couple of days ago I told you about a farmer out in Oregon who was pinned underneath his tractor? Well, he had two daughters. And his two daughters, ages 16 and 14 at the time, they, they eventually came home and they decided to take the dog for a walk. And as they were out on their walk, they saw the tractor. And eventually they saw underneath the tra tractor, they saw their dad. And so they called 911, but they knew there wasn't, they, uh, there wasn't any time to waste. They needed to try to get that tractor off their dad. These two scrawny high school teenagers, 16 years old and 14 years old. And so they, they each grabbed a side of the tractor and they lifted. Ah, nothing. And then they lifted again. Ah, nothing. And they lifted again. And they lifted seven times. Until finally they were able to lift this 3,000 pound tractor off their dad and save his life. How did that happen? Why was that able to happen? Sometimes there's no rational explanation. Sometimes it just does. Kind of like, is there any rational explanation for why God would choose to find maybe the greatest missionary that the world would ever see in a guy who was blind and hungry and thirsty and had made his living killing Christians? Because that wasn't easy either. In order for that to happen, in order for God to apply grace unto the life of that man, you know what else would need to happen? It means that God the Father would need to watch his own son suffer under a weight much heavier than the weight of a 3,000-pound tractor. He would need to suffer under the weight of all the world's sins. And he would need to watch him cry out from a cross, cry out for help knowing that no one, not his, no daughters, no friends, not 911, not even his father in heaven was going to come in and rescue him. It meant that he would have to watch his own son go through the agony of hell, the hell that we deserve, so that you and I could be set free from the unbearable weight of regret and guilt for all the times that we've sinned against him. And is there any better explanation for why that happened than simply to say that, well, that's who our God is, and that's how he feels about us? I don't know that there is. When Ananias looked at Saul, he saw a dead end. When God looked at the same person, God saw a new beginning. When Ananias looked at Saul, he saw, he saw a lost cause. God looked at the same person and he saw a chosen instrument. And what we see in all of this and how God views even the most messed up and broken people on the planet, we see grace. We see grace even in our weakness. And Saul saw that again and again and again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says it this way. He says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul goes on, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
In other words, his weaknesses were a good opportunity for him to see the strength of God's love for him. And this coming year, there's one thing I can guarantee about your life, and you won't even need to look hard for this. You're going to see your weaknesses. You will. So every day, make sure you set aside time to find strength in God's grace. You'll often hear people say that murdering Saul became the great Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, that that's when he became a Christian. And I guess I don't totally agree with that. So Jesus appeared to him and he blinded him on the road and for the next three days he was, I mean, he was blind, he couldn't see, he was hungry, he was parched, and he was convinced that nobody, not even God, loved him. I don't think that's the kind of life that any Christian wants to have. I don't think that's a place where anybody wants to be. And the, and the Apostle Paul didn't, but um, either, you know, God, God needed to lead him there so that he could see the reality of what he was doing. But finally, in the end, God's goal isn't to sap our strength. It's to renew our strength. And there's one moment in this whole interaction in Acts chapter 9 when that finally happens, when Ananias, the guy that God had called to go to Saul, he, uh, he finally shows up. And it says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And there's something significant that Ananias said to Saul at the very beginning. Did you notice what he called him? Brother. Brother Saul. He treated him like a member of his own family, which is exactly what God does for each of us through Jesus. Jesus himself calls himself our brother. The Bible says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and his sisters. And that was the moment. I mean, that was the moment when somebody applied grace, when Saul saw so clearly that he did not deserve Ananias's or God's love, and yet he received it anyway. And how many people in this world have been waiting for longer than three days for someone to treat them that way. I mean, just, just look out in the world and what do you see? You see people whose hearts are hurt and broken, hearts that are full of pessimism and, and rage and anger and discouragement. People who've been given up on by others and who a long time ago gave up on, their, on themselves. But you know what God sees? He sees something that they don't. He sees a chosen instrument. He sees somebody with amazing strength to lift off human hearts, the heaviest weights, because he sees somebody who lives not by sight, but by faith when he looks at you. Somebody who knows the message that can lift those weights off a person's heart. And somebody who will have opportunities, so many opportunities, to do just that. To do for others what Ananias did for Brother Saul, to look at people who are hurting others, hurting themselves, hurting their relationship with God, and reaching out to them with love and with grace. I mean, the Apostle Paul, eventually, he did become author of 13 books in the New Testament, and, you know, books in which he calls himself the chief of sinners and the least of the apostles and the least of all the saints. But that didn't stop God from calling him and you and me 
forgiven. By God's amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy this message and have friends that you think will enjoy it too, would you take just a moment and share it with them? Sharing not only helps this podcast gets discovered, it also helps tons of other people learn about the unconditional love and the general awesomeness of Jesus. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for sharing this message and have an amazing day.